You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast of the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host for this episode, but I also have one of our co-hosts. One's gone. He's out doing Comic-Con things, um, but it's just me and Rambo running the show for this week's episode as well. But we do have a very, very special guest. Uh, in fact, let me go ahead and introduce you all to her. She is a special education teacher. She is also geeky and nerdy, which works out perfectly for the kind of things that we like to talk about. Her name is Katie. Hi, how you guys doing? I did not give, yeah, like I would say like nine out of 10 easily. Um, there's a new Himalayan restaurant down here in Fredericksburg, which like, if you're not familiar with Fredericksburg, the fact that there's like any good ethnic food at all is like mind blowing. So like, this is why I'm so excited. It was so freaking good. It was like one of the best restaurant experiences that I've had in a very, very long time. So um, I'm not sure how many other people have had Himalayan food and you're just like, wow, Mike, you're just now getting onto this. But yeah, this was mind blowing for me. So. No, I, I just had South Indian for the first time a few weeks ago. I was, oh, yeah, I was away in Chicago and I like messaged a friend of mine and I was like, what should I get while I'm in the big city? And he's like, find a place that sells dulces and South Indian food. And I did, and it was like this nice little restaurant, but like you could tell they kind of converted to like mostly doing DoorDash things. So I'm sitting alone in a restaurant with like this old Indian couple and like, I'm super awkward. And like, I'm listening to an audiobook at the same time and I'm eating this really delicious, like chickpea crepe with like potato crap in the middle. And I'm listening to an audiobook, and it gets to like, oh, like a, like a, like a pretty intense, sexy time scene. And I'm like, I can't do this i can't be alone in this restaurant with this old couple eating this crepe and like they can't hear what i'm hearing but like i have to just find something totally different right now he's sitting there watching porn nobody knows it <laughs> it was an audiobook with <laughs> with a physical scene in it it wasn't pornography uh, it's, 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 so are okay. we saying now that pornography has to have a visual element? <laughs> no, 
you know what? I know what it is when I see it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just imagining, like, <laughs> I I don't know you well enough to know how you would respond to something uh, stimulus like this, Katie. But like, I just imagine somebody in a restaurant listening to this. This lewd scene comes on and just like hand over the mouth going oh my like <laughs> no it's more likely that she would just be looking around very nervously <laughs> expecting that somehow someone else can hear her head it's like, am i confident that this isn't bleeding through my headphones and filling because it was also gay so <laughs> it was like an extra level <laughs> of like awkward with like this whole it is a let's see if we can offend them in all sensibilities at the exact same time yeah no i got you yeah yeah wonderful oh man so i didn't really give a formal introduction because i mean you guys know him you listen to the podcast you subscribe which hey by the way another great month for us back in june uh, another uh 150,000 plus subscribers so that's always oh, freaking awesome um but yeah james rambo how are you my friend oh not too bad Went and saw a buddy of mine yesterday, uh, spent an absurd amount of money on seafood. Uh, I had uh, king crab legs for the first time, and I pulled out a piece of crab meat that was the size of a Snickers bar. <laughs> nice. It was fucking unreal. <laughs> and zero regrets were had. You just, you just look at the piece of this crab, and you're just like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, yes. Eat it and enjoy it very, very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, a sucker for, so. I'm a sucker for seafood too like that was i had um shrimp vindaloo is what i had for uh for my for my meal at the uh, himalayan restaurant and like the shrimp were like as big as my the palm of my hand they were huge and they were so good like yeah uh and honestly that's the first good experience i've had with indian food normally like indian food and i are not friends and like it's never an, a, a question of like was it delicious no it's always delicious it just doesn't agree with me it's like it gets in my stomach and it's like nope this is not going to work and this fingers crossed so far this has been aces you know no issues but like yeah everything was good like and different that was the other thing too is it was food that i hadn't had before and that for me is always like exciting because like you get to be a fat guy at 39 years old you've had just about everything but like to find some new stuff and it'd be really, really good is, is always really exciting. Yeah. I, keep, I keep hearing good things about Ethiopian, and I've never had Ethiopian before. I should. I know, like, especially with our proximity to the D.C. area, that there's a ton of really good, um, like, we just, I mean, it's a melting pot. We have a million different good uh, ethnic cuisines in the area. And I've heard about Ethiopian food, but I've never actually had it before. So, yeah, same. I, I really want to try it. Life goals. All the things. All of the foods, just the whole gigantic global buffet. Let's do it. <laughs> so, Katie, since you're our guest, let's talk about the neat, nerdy and geeky things that you like, that you love. And, and, and we'll build our episode around that because it's always nice to cater to your guests. You want to make sure that they feel welcome and and enjoy and having a good time when they're at your podcast. Uh, so let's, let's talk about some geeky, nerdy things here. Some of the things that you're really, really into. Like, off the top of your head, I feel like everybody has like at least like one or two, maybe even three things that they just this is their jam. Like I'm up for this no matter what. Um, like for me, like you mentioned Star Trek and it's like, oh, shit, I hope you have an hour and a half because we can talk about this all day. Um, Star Trek, Star Wars, um, MCU stuff is, is normally my jam. Lord of the Rings, like I, I definitely read the entire 
Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was a kid, when I, I had um, I had pneumonia and I was out of school for two weeks and I read the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was sick. So like those are some of my examples. But like what are some of the things that you're really, really into? Um, I mean, I, I spent most of COVID like just falling into a little game probably never heard of it known as the world of warcraft <laughs> um and like i'm like still really into it like the race to world first is going on right now and like i spend like a couple hours every day and like it's not just that like it's not really even the game it's that like it was this really great like social outlet and like way to stay connected to the outside world. Well, we were in the middle of a pandemic, if you remember that happening, it was kind of a big deal here. I don't know if it was there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not great. No. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a fan. Zero stars, would not recommend. Yeah, uh, other than that, like my, my biggest things are like, I'm weird because I like, I am a, like, the older I get, the more I realize that I'm just a nerd for stories. And like, I just want to know how stories play out. And I want to know how other people like had the idea for a cause and effect. And I don't really care if it's good. <laughs> I just want to know, like this led to this led to this and this character felt this way and that motivated them to act this way. So like, I like pulling from like a bunch of different things. So like, like I really love Neon Genesis Evangelion, but I wouldn't say I'm an anime person and like, like I like I really like different stories that come from different places, but like I I don't know. It's like such a stupid thing I just said. But other than that, like <laughs> I love you, no, I don't I don't think that's stupid. I think that's yeah. Like that's I, I mean honestly, there's a really good through line there for me too because I, I I love a good story. Whether it's somebody telling me a story, whether it's watching it play out, like especially I've noticed like you mentioned like because of pandemic. I have also noticed that, like, I'm not nearly as critical with with series or movies, for that matter, if they take a little while getting there, as long as they're setting things up. So, like, a perfect example, and we've talked about it on these airwaves before, is WandaVision. Like, a lot of people were super critical of the first couple of episodes of WandaVision. They're like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, it's really boring. And I was like, dude, I want more of that. Give me more of this, like, weird kind of like a sitcom, but we're getting little bits and pieces of what the story is. Like, I like my stories told like that. I don't need a giant payoff every single time as long as it's going somewhere. Um, but, I mean, again, that's just kind of my two, my two cents on it. But, like, same thing. Like, I I do not not so much, like, let's see where it's – like, I don't care where it goes. I don't care how it goes. I just – I'm curious about the thought process. I literally will, like, not create, but, like, start – like – foreseeing like here this is what i think the story is going to do like i did that with loki where certain things i see stick out that are real 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 important to the story i'm like oh they're going to fucking use that later and that's going to become a big thing and i bet you it's going to be x y and z and then like if it happens i'm like yeah called it and if it doesn't i'm like yeah this is cool because i'm the same way like i don't care let me just see what you're going to do with it and, and as long as it's as long as it's creative and fun then who gives a shit where it goes yeah yeah exactly um I mean, other things that I really, if if Nintendo doesn't release a remake of Genealogy of the Fire of the uh, Genealogy of the Holy War Fire Emblem game, I'm probably gonna have to go to Japan and start protesting. But that's like a really <laughs> niche thing, and I think that like like I think you know I think like three of your listeners are super excited right now. <laughs> but I just said that. 
Um, <laughs> I have never played a single Fire Emblem game. I fucking love Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, it, I don't know. Looking at it, it just seems very like standard anime trope game. Am I wrong about that? Yeah. That's like, a no. I'm correct. You're not. Because <laughs> like, like what I like. It's just that like the stories and the characters are kind of. It's just the combat system is so much fun for me, and it's the kind of thing where like you don't get that itch scratched, like almost anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like like a real like a like a not a real time like a turn based like like strategy game where it's like chess but like like high fantasy is <laughs> just like cracks into my brain in some way and like the recent games have gone like super waifu <laughs> but like that, that means there's still a series because like the series almost ended um the series almost ended because the gamecube games like tanked and fucking nobody liked them and then they were like let's give it one more hail mary pass and sorry stupid dogs um well dogs obviously like fire emblem as well yeah they love it really yeah. shh, shh, stop um they're like one more like hail mary pass and that's when they added like the big titty anime girls that you could marry <laughs> And they also, they well, like, the probably the big thing is they made the game easier because, like, one of the hallmarks of that series is, so, like, you have all these chess piece units and they all do different things and they all have different niches. But, like, one of the old, like, landmarks of the series was permadeath. And, like, if your unit died during a map, it, that's it. They're gone. You're never coming back. But, like, nobody fucking played that way. Everybody would say, oh, you know, Kent died. And they'd turn off the game and they'd restart the map and they'd replay the map, like, ten times. Um... And that was kind of a, but like the idea of having to do that was a huge barrier of entry to like new players. So they were like, you know what? We're going to put in casual mode where your unit dies for that map, but they're not dead forever and you get them back. And people started playing and saved the series. So like a lot of like, like what, what, what do we, what the vernacular of a uh, juice bag, uh, a lot of juice bag <laughs> fans of Fire Emblem were like, these casuals, filthy casuals ruining the game. I'm like, first of all, classic mode is still there. If you want to play with permadeath on, it's still there. It's how I play every time. But I'm really glad that other mode exists because I want people to buy a game that I enjoy so that they make more games that I enjoy. And the newest one, Three Houses, is one of the best ones they've ever made after they, they kind of back down from like the hardcore waifu stuff in the a couple of ones before that but that's why you don't want to gatekeep because gatekeeping kills the things you love yeah all, all i'm saying is is like props to you for your fucking research man like you use juice bag and now you're talking about like, gatekeeping <laughs> sucks like it, like rambo was it is she a ringer like did you like <laughs> i'm sure i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> listen if you really want mike to think you're cool here are the things that i need you to say okay no <laughs> Katie Tantillo is good people. I am. And I have known her for a long, long time, and I knew she would be an excellent addition. Yeah, we have still never been to Olive Garden, Rip. No, we haven't. This is a bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Why are you not taking your friends to Olive Garden? Well, she lives in goddamn Valechester, so <laughs> that's part of it. It's like we've tried to go to Olive Garden like three times. <laughs> it just never happened. And like, well, the last time we tried was like, 10 fucking years ago because we're old 
Yes. Um, yeah. But it just yeah. became a thing that like we just couldn't go to Olive Garden ever, and we were like, then when we go to Olive Garden, that's the end of our friendship. Yeah. Oh. oh. Keep putting it. There's we have we have like two more episodes until we finish the show, and neither one of us wants to watch it yet. So. We're just gonna, if you yeah. don't watch, if you don't watch the last episode, it never ends. Yeah. No. I yeah. Understand. We're gonna keep kicking that can down the road. Yeah, it's the same thing I did with Anthony Bourdain. Like I loved um, Parts Unknown. Um, I just, well, any, anything, any media that fucking Bourdain did, I, I loved, but when he died, um, I stopped watching parts unknown because I, I couldn't finish it. I was like, cause if I finish it, then he's actually gone. And that really fucked me up for a while. Um, but like, I just, I just went, started going back and watching it again. And like, there's still that like thing hanging over it where it's just like, fuck, there's not going to be any more of these at some point. That's really going to bum me out. But like. Yeah, I think I think everybody has has moments like that where they're like, except for yours is like this this fictional thing that like <laughs> is it though? Is it? Yeah. Well, I maybe it's not even like it'll be our choice. Maybe that's like like the red heifer being born and like the gates will open and the world will end when you and I sit down to some mediocre pasta. As like somehow. a meteor, as a meteor shower like decimates the world around you, but the Olive Garden somehow remains intact, like as like. <laughs> As like a Pixies song plays in the background. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. Can I have some, some more uh, breadsticks? Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> but um, Anthony Bourdain, like, he is one of the people. I used to work at a Borders in the airport. And the thing about airports is that it's like the great equalizer and like celebrities just come through and act like normal people for a little bit. And Anthony Bourdain is one of the people that I just missed because, oh. like, yeah, even though I worked in Dallas for i think I, I think i worked in dallas like a year like the last year before all the borders closed the, like i quit like four weeks before they closed down for good <laughs> which was oh. hilarious but um <laughs> it, was, it was your it was your fault is what you're saying you me. quit and they were like fuck it we can't do this they were like we can't carry on um uh i just missed anthony bourdain i just missed betty white going through security because like these celebrities used like the um, the employee security, and like I'm coming through and everyone's laughing and happy and in a good mood, and I'm like, what the hell? And they're like, Betty White was just through here and she was adorable and she was cracking jokes about wanting to be pat down by the male TSA. I'm like, <laughs> shit. But the 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 one that like hurts my soul is Danny DeVito. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the Danny to me like I've told this story like but like Danny like I was it was I was at work and I was having a shitty day and I was like I'm gonna go take a 10 minute break I'm gonna take my 15 and I go I walk a couple blocks down like a couple of like the terminals down I buy like a fucking three musketeers bar and I sit and I play on my phone for 15 minutes and I come back and my manager is like oh oh Katie I'm like what <laughs> you just missed somebody and I'm like who did I miss I'm like Danny DeVito and I didn't believe them and they showed me the showed me the goddamn credit slip it's like danny devito and it has like the like movie star like fucking like signature like the kind of signature that they've done a thousand times it clearly says danny devito and i'm like holy shit and like <laughs> and i made this joke i'm like i wanted to tell him how much i loved his work on twins and... <laughs> but my manager thought i was being sincere and she's like oh i love that movie and he's like she's like yeah he must really like be into meteorology and the weather because like he had this like local weather station hat on and i'm like 
did that fucking hat say it's always sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's what it said. You got that to meet him. Fucking people. <laughs> you got to meet him, and you don't even know. God damn, yeah. Like, I can... <laughs> to me, to me, this was this was like when Always Sunny was newish. It was before it really took off. Yeah. But I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Local news station. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't even I can't even imagine. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got to meet um. I got to meet Chuck Palahniuk, the guy who wrote Fight Club. Um, he did a um, he did a, a series where he would go to uh, libraries across the country, and he was at the Philadelphia Free Library. And if you don't know anything about Chuck Palahniuk um, outside of Fight Club, the books that he writes are graphic and like yeah. very very gory detail into some pretty gross shit. And like he the way he does it, he does a si- he does a signing, and then he also does a reading, right? And he read one of his short stories uh, called Guts. And I'm not going to go into the details of Guts because it's one of his grossest stories. Is that the one in the pool? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the one in the pool. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it. That's great. Um, <laughs> so what he does is, is he reads this in the most like draw way possible, but slow and meticulous because he loves seeing people get grossed out. And like he purposefully like gets a kick out of watching people like get up and leave the room because they have to go throw up. And like he talks about it after reading it, and he's just like seriously, he's like I don't even know why. He's like I get such a boner for that shit. (laughs) He was he was a fucking delight. He was so fun to listen to. He was talking about how um this is like God, this had to have been 2007 maybe 2006, and he's talking about how um Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was a book that he really, really enjoyed because when he would read some of those um, Jane Austen books or like those British period pieces, watch a movie, he's like, you know what this movie could use? Sprinting zombies. And like, (laughs) he's like, he's like, and lo and behold, my fucking dream became a reality. He's like, that shit's everywhere now. And I love it. Like he was just, he was like the nicest dude. He was so cool. But the, the anecdote to the, or like the side note to this that makes me really sad is the person that was also there with him, who was also signing was Elmore Leonard. And no one was standing in line to see Elmore Leonard. And it made oh. me really, really sad. I think I've told you the story before, Rambo. Oh, my God. That's yeah. – oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's literally standing there. And, like, I'm I'm passing him in line standing to meet Chuck Palahniuk. And I look over and I'm like, oh, Elmore Leonard. I'm, like, elbowing my wife. She, was, I mean, we were dating at the time. But I elbow Sandy and I'm just like, hey, that's Elmore Leonard. That's the guy who wrote, like, fucking um, – uh, out of sight like he's really really good and i guess he heard me and he goes oh you know my stuff and i was like yeah um i didn't know you were gonna be here today man i only brought a chuck Palonic book to get signed and he just looks at me and he goes it's eh, cool like just didn't even like phase him he was just like the coolest dude and it really bums me out because he passed away justified came out and justified is like probably my favorite tv series of all time so like if it makes you feel any better, Katie, I definitely ha- interacted with somebody that I have a shitload of respect for now that I never got to say anything to other than, sorry, dude, I'm here to meet somebody else. Uh, like missed opportunities like that. Like it's just yeah. sad. Yeah. yeah, it was. It, it, <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, on his deathbed, he was like, if only Mike Lunsford read my <laughs> yeah. shit before. That shitty siding where everybody's there to see the fucking fight club, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fight Club is one of those things 
that makes me sad because it's like it's not a bad story it's not a bad book but like the dudes who really love fight club mm. like suck and don't get fight club oh yeah snowflake, <laughs> snowflake is a perfect example he coined that term for it to be in the lexicon that it is used now like that came from fight club and people use it so flippantly not even realizing that like it's the whole book is about like a guy who's self-conscious about being good in bed. Like it, like he's not, he's completely missing the point that he's making fun of people like the people who call people snowflake. Like, and it, like not only that, Chuck Palahniuk's gay. Like it's all, all of this stuff that's going on in fight club and like, nobody's getting any of the subtext. You're like, yeah, it's just about guys beating each other up. <laughs> yeah. Because they're self-conscious about their dicks. Well, yes. and like <laughs> the older I get, I'm like, wait, just fucking join an MMA club. Like there are places you can go and beat the snot out of each other. And like, it's not, it doesn't have to be this weird thing in back alleys that you know, the tell my, like my fucking brother does jujitsu. Just go do that. God. <laughs> yeah. But that, then it doesn't carry the same homoerotic subtext <laughs> where you get to be dirty and, and there's, there's no holds barred. And you just got to have a bunch of other men stand around watching you while you do it. And it's like shirtless, too. You guys that really out. don't understand how gay that book is. <laughs> it's super gay. It's, <laughs> it's not gay. I'm not gay. I'm so not gay. I'm going to say that my favorite book is one of the gayest books I've ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like what? Uh, gentlemen. <laughs> it's cool, guys. I want you to look up latent homosexuality real quick. Why? <laughs> Take a look. Because it's going to seem real familiar. Rambo, do you remember that guy we went to undergrad with who would draw things that were, like, super gay, and he would just never get oh, it? Oh, fuck, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, would be like, it would be, like, yeah, fucking he did Wolverine, you know, over Cyclops. Wolverine and Colossus. Colossus. And Wolverine is, like, you know, claws out, teeth bared, but he's clearly bent over in front of Colossus, who is, like, arms up screaming <laughs> and this was a constant motif in his work you would see this i can't remember his fucking name though which is probably for the best um, i'm not gonna say it yeah i can oh. <laughs> but yeah it would and everybody literally everyone is like dude come on like you have to know you have to know that this is there and he's like, what are you talking about? And it was like, such a, it, put it this way. If it was, if he, either he didn't know, and it was just like, you have some things you need to work out. Or he did, and he and is he a genius. <laughs> and he was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Cock, cock, cock. And <laughs> like, he was just maintaining this, this, he was on like a Kaufman level. Of <laughs> of being in character and like I don't I'm just like doing this bit for years. Oh god, absolutely incredible. That is outstanding. It's just the I need, best. I need you to draw a superhero. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this this is definitely a superhero. Um, Bent over, screaming and grunting. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. It's obviously Batman. Um, I'm curious why you chose the assless chaps. But I mean, it's a stylistic choice. That's, I mean, that's cool. Like, you don't want him to overheat, man. He's doing a lot of physical activity. <laughs> like, so, so these two guys are grappling. Come on, man. There's full penetration in that image. <laughs> like, 
Well, I mean, you know, he had to he had to subdue his his, his opponent somehow. Is that, is that KY? Is that KY on the ground next to them? Like, yeah, he's he's trying to you know trying to break the grapple. <laughs> Can't really get a hold of him. Look, nobody wants to get chafed here, okay? Like, like, nobody wants to get chafed. <laughs> nobody wants to get chafed, okay? <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you were not looking for a topic this evening because you're not going to get one. Um, <laughs> honestly, this is this is actually perfect. This is exactly what the premise of our podcast is because it's all about the awesome conversations you have with your friends. Uh, in fact, all of us have had one at some point where it was you and all your friends and you were sitting at a diner just talking about like the greatest stuff. So it's kind of like a cultural a cultural touchstone if you will, that everybody has experienced something like this. So this is a perfect um, kind of conversation because this is the kind of shit that we talk about at restaurants, at least me and MC and Rambo. Mm -hmm. um, but also um, this works out great. Katie, since you're new, let's just say in this fictional, like virtual world that we're in right now, let's say we were actually at a diner and the sky's the limit for any kind of diner food that you could get to have while we're having this conversation. What are you ordering? Uh, I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm getting an open-faced turkey sandwich. So are we talking like Thanksgiving-style open-faced turkey yes. sandwich? Where yes. it's like you got the potatoes and the and the gravy and all that stuff. Absolutely. That's my favorite diner food. And I don't even know why. And it's like the worst thing for you. You just throw some corn on there and the like crappy gravy they give you. And it's the best. Yeah. It's like, the, the, as Patton Oswald describes it, a failure pile. Yeah. No, yeah. I got you. Yeah, covered in gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, it, then then cake after, because fucking diners always have the best cake. They do. Gigantic fucking cakes. In that glass case right next to the register. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a restaurant around here that if you order from them, they have desserts, but they don't sell specific cakes and pies. You can order assorted pies or you can order assorted cake. So, like... When my friends and my friend and I DoorDash from there, we'll just get like two assorted pies and two assorted cakes and just like see what the hell they felt like sending that day. So it's just a grab bag. They will not let you be specific. Yeah, they will not let you be specific. And she's like, I hope they send the hummingbird cake today, which I didn't even know hummingbird cakes were a thing until like six months ago. And then they were in like five different places. And I know that's like a thought phenomenon, but I'm pretty sure that they were just invented six months ago and everybody's pretending like they knew about them. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. Tell me where a hummingbird cake is. It's like I, a shitty spice cake with like mango in it. I don't think it's mango. What? I think it's pineapple. Yeah, it, hummingbird cake is definitely a thing. Um, I've seen it on the the Food Network, but I mean, it's entirely possible that I'm like um, Mandela affecting the shit out of this, and like, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 it totally existed, and it just like you said, it just got created. Because here's the other thing too: if you just found out about it during a pandemic, like it, fuck, it feels like it's been like five years. I don't know, you know, like totally lost all concept of time. Oh yeah, yeah. Like am yeah, I 45? Absolutely. I have no idea. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like. I don't feel like I, I feel like everybody should just get a redo of their last birthday. Like you don't have to age because like <laughs> I didn't actually accomplish anything during pen. I tried. I tried to just distract myself from the world burning around me as like we had a, an inept idiot running the running the country and like saying, oh, no, it's cool. You know what? Um, sunshine. Sunshine kills the disease. Um, and bleach. I'm sure bleach. <laughs> in, inject yourself with bleach. You guys will be good. Don't worry Some about it. Some blue lights. Some blue lights. Right? That'll do it. Like, what, what a fucking dumbass. Man. <laughs> what is that? Like, 
Brad Patton Oswald tweet like, oh, you fucking liberal snowflakes. He didn't say drink bleach. He said inject it in your veins. <laughs> <laughs> Owning the libs. <laughs> Every day. Uh, Owning the libs. God. So exhausting. It is. These people are real. They are, unfortunately. Like, like, I've always been pretty liberal. But, like, oh, this cool. fucking... What, do you not remember that? Um, come up. <laughs> this pandemic has, like, pushed me so much farther left. I'm like, right? oh, they, they literally just want us to work until we die. They, the CEO of Target, wants to sit in his mansion and not be at risk, but, like pull everybody out as an essential worker because god forbid i can't go down to target and buy socks today like and well fucking jeff bezos with his like mini yacht to get around his bigger yacht and i can't get over the fucking yacht i cannot get over the fact that he has two helipads on his yacht yeah if you say meet me at it's a fucking parks and rec joke Tom has is talking about the mall, this particular, particular mall, I think in Eagleton, that has three Burberries. <laughs> and he says, if you say meet me at Burberry, you have to be specific. And Which it's the Burberry? same fucking thing on Jeff Bezos's yacht. It's meet like me at Halipad, but which one? Oh, fuck. Sorry. God. How do you not look around yourself at this point and say, maybe this is too much? Have, have I have I gone too far? This is this is this is past the point, right? You see what happens when um, children who come from means are forced to read Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> there it is, right there. I I created something. I shouldn't have to. This is my creation. It's mine, and I should be able to do whatever I want. The government can't say anything about I it. I built this. No, you didn't, motherfucker. You're standing. You're standing on the. Sh- shoulders of the laborers who move shit around for you you're standing on the shoulders of the, the the people who came before you let's talk about the fact that every one of these fucking tech billionaires are building an empire based on a couple of years of open source software that was available at the beginning of the internet like like this proprietary bullshit the fact that you can't even change out the screws in your own iphone when all of that success is built on people saying hey look at this it's free it's cool i've made something when we were able to is is disgusting there was I, I can't remember if it was a law or if it was I, I, I don't remember the, the actual uh, proper term for it, but there was a, a legal standing that said all home computers needed to be able you need to be able to replace like the hard drive, the RAM, you know, all the sort of like basic components of it. Um, like it couldn't be proprietary. And that expired. I don't know. 10 years ago and within like a couple days of it of it uh coming off the books apple announced their new tower and it's the one that looks like a fucking thermos um and it's like oh yeah this is the new thing that you know if you want to get it done in any way anything changed or, or updated in any way shape or form you have to come to us it's like you motherfuckers yeah god damn it i think that I think that that's the problem that I have, too. We, we kind of going back to what we talked about in the cold open. So for those of you who are not Patreon subscribers, uh, we were talking about religion and just. Well, first of all, get on the ball, right? Yeah, right. I mean, like, like, five bucks, <laughs> man. That's all it requires. Yeah. Like, seriously, five bucks. And we and you get extra podcasts for free and you help us. Well, you don't get it for free. You're paying for it. But, you know, still. 
Um, your $5 gets you podcasts, a shout out. Um, I mean, if you come to the uh, event that we're doing at AwesomeCon, I mean, we'll socially distance high five you maybe, like elbow bump, you know, something. Like you'll get something, there's stuff. There's stuff and things you get for this. At any rate, yeah, we were talking about religion. We were talking about like how it's uh, oftentimes it's really just kind of like a way of controlling people and like how stupid the interpretations have become of what these things were originally. It's the same thing that I'm, I'm running into with like, you'll hear people be like, oh, well, capitalism's better than communism. It's better than socialism. This is the best thing ever. Like, let's just let the market decide. Like, you do realize that it's not just quote unquote, letting the market decide, right? Like these guys, because they have so much money, they buy the government's assistance. That's how this works. Like, how do you think Mitch McConnell is so fucking rich? How do you think any of these senators and congressmen are so fucking rich? Millionaires, there are millionaires in our government because of the money that they get from these big corporations to help them out, basically. Like, you mean to tell me that Amazon doesn't pay a, a cent in tax at all? Jeff Bezos doesn't pay anything in tax at all. The guy's worth billions of dollars and we just all kind of shrug because for some reason, I don't know why, everybody seems to think that they are just a couple of steps away from being a millionaire as well. Yeah. When it's the exact opposite. We are all just teetering on the brink. One of, like, one of the, sorry. No, you're fine. I, I was just going to say like, it's, it's scary. And the pandemic should have taught us this, that like you're one health crisis away from being in a lot of debt. The, the single greatest, most brilliant musical his, history-based musical of all time, 1776. Um, <laughs> Hamil can go fuck itself. Um, <laughs> uh, has a whole part about that. It's like talking about like um, the men would rather protect the prospect of becoming rich than accept the reality of being poor. And that's what it is. We, we, it's that it's Reagan's golden city on the hill. And it's this idea that if you work hard enough and you do what you need to one day too, you will be rich and you will be successful. And the fact of the matter is that isn't, that isn't true. Like you, like my grandpa didn't own an emerald mine and fucking benefit from apartheid. Goddamn Elon Musk. Like none of these people come from nothing. And even even if they were only moderately well off, like like they try to say like oh Zuck made his own company, Zuck's parents, like fucking, got him into Harvard, and he had this wouldn't he didn't have the fear, failure wasn't as big of a thing for him because if he had failed he was fine. Yep, exactly. Whereas so many of us are like I I have to do this thing I can't take that risk because my parents don't have the money to support me. It's the same thing with Bill Gates. Bill Gates started his company in his uh, his garage. His fucking parents were incredibly loaded, incredibly rich. And he was a little douchebag to them. <laughs> to the point where like they sent him to the exact school he wanted and like he got to do whatever he wanted at that school because he was good at programming. So they're like, this is the future. Let Bill do what he wants. And like it's so much luck and privilege to give these people the lives that they have. So the gall they have of saying, well, this is what I've worked for is absolute bullshit. The fact of the matter is Bill Gates is rich because his preppy school had a goddamn bake sale to buy his 
school a computer for him to play around on as a kid. That's the margin of error between Bill Gates being some shit dude who works probably like mid-level management that his father got him a job for and being one of the richest person who ever exists, a goddamn bake sale. And you're going to come at me and say you deserve to be enormously wealthy and well off while so many people deserve to starve. Yeah, that's yeah, 100%. It's, so I had never I, I thought this was a recent quote, like in the last like 15 and some odd years. Uh, turns out, no, it is uh, a quote from fucking John Steinbeck. The, the term temporarily embarrassed millionaires um, is a Steinbeck quote. He's the one who came up with that. And it like it's so fucking infuriating that we've been dealing with the same kind of problems for decades. I don't even have anything clever to say about that. It's just fucking sad. It pisses yeah, me yeah. off so much. Yeah, agreed. Like, especially, too, because, like, I, I look at... I, I look at the situations that, that we're in and how unwilling people are to, to realize how shitty things are for everybody else. And like, I even did it for myself where I started thinking, I was like, all right, like how much privilege do I really have to deal with? And I started thinking that I was like, well, okay, well you're, you look like, you know, white as fuck. So there's that. Um, and I started thinking about it too. Like I've mentioned it before in the airwaves. Like I, I got in trouble at one point in my senior year of high school because I got in a fight and I got suspended for three days. Every single one of my teacher was teachers was like, ah, we're going to give you your work anyways. Don't worry about it. We don't want you yeah. to not graduate. And I, and I seriously thought about that. I was like, if my skin color had been different, yes, yeah. would the same thing have happened? And I don't think so because how I can't tell you how many times it was, ah, you're a good kid. You'll be all right. Like kind of thing happened to me where I got off scot-free after doing some really, really like questionable shit. Like, and it, it, it may, really makes me wonder, like it was the same thing. Like I, at various points, like we struggled financially and like, it was tough getting through it. Like now I'm in a really, really good financial spot, like with the job that I have. And like, I wonder how much of that has to do with the way I look or the way I speak. And like, because it's all presentable, you know what I mean? Like, I look the part, I sound the part. Like, is that part of the reason why I'm doing well right now? And I try not to like make make myself feel like shit where it's like, no, this is the only reason why. But like at the same time too, I think th this had to have contributed in some way, shape or form. And I mean, the way I like to think about it is if it didn't make it easier, it certainly didn't make it harder. Yeah. Yep. And there are people who like it did. And like what you said about education is exactly right. Like honest to God. And I've, I've said this before, like, I, I really think in five years, people should start to look at, the, say the word teacher, like they would say the word cop, because there's so much institutionalized racism that goes on in the public education system. It's the beginning of, it's the education in prison pipeline. You know, boys will be boys doesn't extend to little brown kids. And it's a, you try to be five and understand that. Why, while Timmy G of, you know, the Swansons gets to get away with shit, but you don't because your name is different because you look different and you act out and you act out more because it's unfair, but you're punished more and you're punished faster and you're punished harsher because you're a little black kid. And it's and it's it's not it's not because they didn't do anything so they can say, well, he threw a chair, but he gets punished 
if that white kid over there threw a chair, he's not going to get the same punishment. And statistically speaking, and studies have shown again and again and again, it's what teachers do. And if you tell a kid they're bad, they're going to think they don't have any other options and they're going to become worse. So yeah. like if I, like I've said it, like if, if in a couple of years people look at me side eyed because I'm a teacher, I'm not going to I'm going to be like, yeah, I fucking understand it because you see it happen. It's yeah. And I'm sure that with you, yeah, with you being a teacher, you do see this. And like there was a post and I can't remember who who did it. Um, Rambo. And I'm not like trying to say that, like all all things in these realm are, are, are from your fingertips on social media. But it does sound like something that you might have shared where it was talking about like somebody making fun. Like it was like a picture of two police officers like laughing. And it's saying police officers laughing at the social worker trying to handle the six foot five, 300 pound black guy who's waving a metal pole around. And like the response to that picture was, okay, first off, let's talk about what social workers actually have to do and the things that they're prepared for. And the fact that they have padded shields and the fact that they probably this person is acting like this because they missed that on their meds. And it was just this very, very long list of all the reasons why a social worker was probably actually better equipped to handle something like that and why they wouldn't have killed the guy because of what he was doing. And like, it just shows like how ignorant so many people are, but also on the flip side of that too, it shows that like people just truly, truly their first gut reaction is let's like cruelty and violence is the answer to everything. And like they equate that with being strong and like, that's a huge problem. And like, it's, it's also, it's like a, we talked about like the whole like displaced or, you know, it, embarrassed millionaire that Rambo brought up that apparently is fucking centuries old now. Um, the whole idea of the misconception of what strength is not showing emotion, like never letting people know what your problems are like that. That's just it's so broken and backwards. And it's just it's it's frightening, really, that like there are so many people who are having issues that refuse to share them because they feel that that's a sign of weakness. Like I, me being one of them I was in the military for for uh, four years. Like you don't show people emotion because that is a sign of weakness. And that's fucked up. It's almost like men are as victimized by toxic masculinity as women are, is what you're saying to me. Whoa, whoa, easy does it. <laughs> it's fucking, oh, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to diminish anybody's sh struggle at all when it comes no, to no. that sort of thing. But I, I, I mean, I, I think, mean I think there's a lot of validity in what you're saying. No, no I'm, I mean, you. I'm not trying to like distance myself from what you said. I think what you said is 100% accurate, but like that's the problem is so many people hear toxic masculinity and they only attribute it to women. Oh, well, obviously men treat women like shit. No, they treat men like shit too. Yeah, well, and it's, it's men are told. And one of the reasons that men treat women like shit is because they spend their entire lives being told they have to be a certain thing and they have to act a certain way and they're not allowed to express themselves. And it turns out when human beings aren't allowed to express themselves and process emotions correctly and you're only allowed to funnel it through anger you're gonna get angry and you're gonna get angry a lot and you're gonna shit rolls downhill and society tells you that you can take that anger out uh, on women so you do yeah. yeah you've already got all this built-in rage for any number of reasons uh and then and you're and you're exactly you're taught that you can express that uh and that it's perfectly okay and then you do and then people are like whoa what the fuck you can't be doing that shit 
but all you know is how to all you know how to express is anger. So that just becomes this cycle of like I'm more pissed off that I can't get this out the way I'm supposed to, even though this is what I've been told is the way I'm supposed to. So what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's uh Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a it's a great line. It's it might be my favorite line from Arrested Development where like like Job is trying to process some stuff and he's talking to Michael and he's like I don't I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm feeling. It's not angry and it's certainly not hungry. And and his brother is like maybe you're in love and he's like don't be ridiculous. I know what an erection feels like. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like it's it's like it's like this perfect summation of like yeah. that's what men are told they're allowed to feel. If it's not fists or a boner, I'm not interested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. If I can't fight it or fuck it. It's not worth having. <laughs> that's a great life for the fucking butterfly effect. <laughs> this might be too crude, but your shit on my dick or your blood on my knife. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> the prison scene, right? Like, yeah. It's a uh, fucking movie. Jesus. <laughs> I think I saw the movie once. And not enough to um, to quote it, but that's a pretty good. I wouldn't say a good quote. That's a, a fitting quote for it this. It just always stuck out. I saw the movie once, like 15 years ago, and it's always like stuck out in my head as the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, and I was a friend of mine. My I have this one friend who goes on like weird binges, and like he spent a couple of weeks doing like time travel movies, and he was like quoting the butterfly effect at me for a little while and I was like why are you doing this <laughs> don't ever quote Ashton Kutcher shit to me okay <laughs> stop <laughs> fucking stop um, so I've told sorry go ahead Mike no yeah I because mine's gonna be a segue into something else so go ahead well so uh, I was saying I've told the story about Ted playing Bioshock before but yes I think it's going to be all the better if Katie tells the story. Oh, God. Remind me. There's so many Ted stories. (laughs) So it was the first time he'd played it. And the whole weekend, you and Shelby and y'all were all like, Ted, would you kindly give me something to drink? just started playing and we had all like either played it or we knew the story and we we all used to just hang out in this farmhouse together like a bunch of like fucking like latchkey kids together and we're watching him play it and we're watching him go through it like Ted would you kindly hand me a coke Ted would you kindly pause so we can go to the movie would you kindly and he's like he started he did start to catch on and he was like why are you you guys saying this and then like he was so he got to it and he's like what the fuck is wrong Outstanding. For anybody who doesn't know, um, the the oh, wonderful the spoiler, twist. by the way, the movie's like the game's like twenty years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> the game is good. It's it's, it's a phenomenal like, game, and if like you haven't one played of my all time favorites, you yeah. should go play it. Um, and I will give you three seconds to pause this. One, two, three. The the twist is the contact, the person who's been guiding you through the game. Um, has been using uh, uh, the psychological conditioning that you've been put through uh, to force you to do things. 
it becomes this great meta commentary on video games and like you know is there free will if you're playing a game that has you know that's kind of on rails you're basically required if you want to if you want to proceed to do certain things um and so would you kindly is the the trigger phrase to make you do something um and it's a, it's a fucking hell of a reveal uh, in that game and, and really fucks with your head. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because, like, one of the big things about that game is, like, oh, you have choice. So you're going to – are you going to kill the little kids or you're not going to kill the little kids? But, the end, like, at the end of the day, those choices are fairly inconsequential to the overall plot of the game. Like, they change mm-hmm. a couple of little things and, like, you can – you can choose to, and it's not even the harder route, but like you can choose to take the harder route and save them, but you're still going to do fucked up things and you never had any control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At a certain point, the, even, even the choices you can make are still so small that they don't really affect things that much, which is just fucking depressing as shit. Um, but yeah, Mike, what were you going to talk about? <laughs> now we're talking about bioshock um yeah like it's it's one of my favorite games of all time mostly because like it it mixes some really awesome concepts plus it adds horror in there as well which is always good like that scene there's a scene where you have to retrieve something and i can't remember exactly what it is and you go into like this abandoned dentist's office right and then the lights go out you're like oh well i got the shit once the lights come back on i'll turn around and leave and you turn around and there's a fucking doctor standing right behind you like with a scalpel in its hand and you're just like what the fuck is this like the whole game is shit like that and like yeah there's that woman randomly crying and like she's got a um a stroller and you go look in the stroller and it's just a gun instead of a baby like you're like this is gonna be a weird fucking game okay cool like yeah just overall just absolutely love that game and like yeah, the, the would you kindly shit, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the first time I played through that game, I was like just going through and I was in the like the, one of the parts where you're walking through water and I was trying to be quiet because I could hear the splicers around the corner and like my dog starts barking at like fucking nothing and I'm like, Keelan, they will hear you! <laughs> and like, I wasn't even kidding. I really thought the splicer was going to hear my dog <laughs> barking. Cause it, Keep it down, motherfucker! <laughs> It's just such an atmospheric game, and it's it's ah, it's so good. Yeah, it really and is. and you'll you'll walk into situations where you're like, I know how this is going to play out, I know what's going to happen, and I should be more prepared for it when it does. Stuff like there's a room you go into um, that has like I like it, it's the entire wall is windows, and there is a big dining room table, and sat around the table are all these figures wearing like Halloween, like, like like masquerade masks and none of them are moving. And party was like, maybe they're mannequins. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're not going to react at all. And of course you have to go into the room, like well into it past the, well past the exit to get whatever thing you're trying to get. And you get it. You're like, okay, they, they still haven't reacted yet. So, maybe i'm gonna be okay and it's only when you get like right up to the table the second time they're like you like fuck <laughs> god damn it i knew this was coming i knew this was coming and then i told myself that it wasn't and then it was god <laughs> fucking damn it yeah every time um what, what i wanted to do is, is i wanted to segue because we'll, we'll split this into two episodes so you got the first part of our at the diner conversation with katie 
Uh, what we're gonna do is, since she brought it up, uh, this actually ties in really, really well, because just a couple nights ago, I decided that I wanted to rewatch the first Terminator movie because I hadn't seen it in a really, really long time. First off, that fucking movie holds up. Um, secondly, she was just mentioning time travel and time travel movies. So I think it would be fun if we talked about time travel movies in the next episode and talk about some of our favorites or like just shitty ones or ones like, you know, like the butterfly effect where you're just like, why am I fucking watching Ashton Kutcher? I don't give a shit what this guy has to say. Um, but yeah, well, when we come back, we'll be talking time travel movies and then we'll see where else the conversation goes. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing. Uh, make sure you continue to do so. We really, truly do appreciate all of the support that uh, all of you out there have been giving us. So remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been a Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!